Hey there, and welcome to the Rock Reavers podcast. Here we are all about believing and proclaiming the word. We're totally given to true worship and obedient in taking the gospel to the nations through missions. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you'll be blessed by this message. We are reading from the book of Ruth. We are reading from the book of Ruth. I, I love reading my Bible in... Uh, Urban English. I don't understand why my brothers do KJV. Thou, thus, those things don't make uh, clarity to me. So, please, Victor, if you would give me Ruth chapter 1 in NIV. I beseech thee. Thank you. So we are reading from the book of Ruth. We are going to study the book of Ruth for the whole month. So brace yourself for impact. God has a word for you. So Ruth chapter 1 verse 1. In the days, we can read together, when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Marlon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. Notice that they went to live there for a while. So in his head he was going... And he was going to come back. But when he got there, he died. He never made it back to Bethlehem in Judah. And she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women. One named Orpah. Most of the time I pronounce his name Oprah. And the other Ruth. After they had lived there for about 10 years. Both Marlon and Kilion also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food. By providing food. Notice they went to Moab to look for food. But then God provided food in Bethlehem in Judah. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Let's stop there for now. If we need to read more, we'll read more later. Thank you, Victor. Thank you for diligently presenting God's word to us. Praise God, church. It's good to see you. It's good to stand before you. Congratulations to the couples that are getting married. I appreciate the beauty of marriage. Come on, clap for them. God is doing great things in this church. You know, I love the way their body language just uh, attracts them to each other. If you notice, their feet were next. Yani they were leaning towards each other. If Pastor Doc had not stopped them, they would be Siamese twins by now because of the amount of heat that exists between them. I married a beautiful wife. She's still beautiful. <laughs> this is not a historical depiction of my marriage. So, 
when we got married, we used to eat on one plate. True story. So Julie would cook amazing food, you know? Some jahe. <laughs> okay, no. No, she's, she's a sous chef. So she cooks gourmet meals. So she would cook and we would eat together. But then you see, uh, the food has evidence. So after a while, we realized that one person was growing and the other one was not. <laughs> so, kidogo kidogo, my wife withdrew that condition because she was losing weight and I was gaining weight. So she realized quickly that 80% of the food on that one plate goes to one man. So there was no equity in the distribution of food on that plate. So she quickly, pragmatically started serving me my own plate for the sake of our own health. But I thank God for her. I have been married to her for fifth. No, I've known her for 15 years, but I've been married to her for eight years. And I thank God for our institution. Yeah, and for the work of art called Kenya. Did you see that child who was saying, let's go to Sunday school? That child that loves the Lord. That's my daughter. Yeah, so, so learn, learn, see. See the Lord and his deeds. Now there was a, I'm going to preach, don't worry. There are guys who are wondering, just go to the Bible. This is who I am. There was a guy, no, it was a lady. She is called Village Girl. Do you guys... Did you guys see that article? It had 10,000 views. And there was a Mubaba there. <laughs> a Mubabs, that was me, dancing for the Lord. So I like reading articles. So I stumbled upon an article that talked about rivers. And I was so grateful that God brought Village Girl to our church. Now, my wife also has her own selection of bloggers that she likes to read. And I think her favorite is Biko Zulu. Right? Kinda. Yeah. <laughs> so, Bikozulu. So, last week, my wife was telling me of a story written by Bikozulu about a woman. I will tell it in one minute. A woman who had a child who had cleft lip. Cleft, in it, cleft palate. And uh, so she went, met a guy. They did what they do. <laughs> the one that, that class that Doc taught you guys, they did that. And they had a baby out of wedlock. And the baby had a cleft palate. And the guy disappeared. So the woman had to raise the child by herself. Now, apparently, in her pursuit of food for the child, she got an opportunity in Uganda. So she went to Uganda and left her child with her mother so that the mother would take care of the child. But then, one day... She was coming back from Uganda. She has made money. She wants to feed her child. She was excited about meeting her child. So the story goes that the woman called when she was on the road because she was so eager to see her daughter. And she called and she talked to her daughter. And her daughter told her, Mommy, what time are you coming? Home. So she got home. I think it's somewhere in Machakos, if I am not wrong. And she could not find her child because her child was nowhere to be seen. And nowhere to be found. And so she asked her mother and her sisters, where is my daughter? And none of them could tell where the child had disappeared to. So she took it upon herself, the love of her mother, to go and look for her own child. So she went to the back of the house to look for the child. Now the story goes that when she walked about 500 meters, she found 
her daughter lying face down. And it says that when she lifted the girl up, her face had been mauled and her eyes had been gorged out. So she looked around the forest to see what had happened and she saw a pack of leopards. And in the heat of the moment, when people were not seeing, leopards had devoured her child. That story broke my heart because I'm a parent. And that girl is the same age as my daughter. And uh, the book of Ruth fits into one of those tragic stories of the Bible. It talks about a man who seemingly responsible for the welfare of his family decided to go to Moab to look for bread. He had a plan for a while to go and look for bread for his family because there was drought in Bethlehem in Judah. Now notice that this book is smack in the middle of the time of the judges. So I'll tell you something about the time of the judges. At that time, God decided to allow the people of Israel to pursue him. Before that, God always had a spiritual and political leader who he appointed and who the people of Israel followed equivocally. They had Moses and they had Joshua. But in the time of the judges, God allowed the people to choose what they need to do, to choose who they need to follow. God had brought his people from Egypt through the desert and he had settled them in Bethlehem in Judah. And there was an instruction that they should stay in Bethlehem in Judah. It was a corrupt time. Apparently there was a, a Levite who had been hired for a coin. At that time there was a, there's another story of, uh, of a Levite who had a concubine. I mean it's wrong. It's like a Parsi who had a side chick. <laughs> and it's in the Bible. And she went with the concubine and they went to one of the town and the Benjamites wanted to rape the guy and the guy gave his concubine to, to the Benjamites and they raped the girl and killed her and he split her into pieces and he distributed her body all over Israel. It was a, it was a time of apostasy. It was a time that God allowed men to decide to follow him because God is not a dictator. God wants men to be willing to follow that that he has laid for them. So there was a specific instruction, which I believe that was clear to Elimelech, that no man should leave Bethlehem in Judea. Nothing should make you leave Bethlehem in Judea. Whether there is drought, whether there is provision, there was nothing that was meant to allow a man to leave Bethlehem in Judea. Now, unfortunately, Elimelech left Bethlehem, left the place that God had tethered him, and went to the land of Moab. Now, Moab was a land that was filled with idols and gods, and the Moabites sacrificed their children to idols. So, Moab was the land of idolatry. But Elimelech took his family, took them away from Bethlehem and Judea, and took them to Moab. To a distant town. And as the story goes, calamity followed him. He died. His sons died. His daughters were left to be widows. His wife was left to be a widow. And today, I want us to look at this story and figure out how 
do we as believers remain in Bethlehem? How do we remain in Bethlehem, in Judea? Now, in life, as a believer, you will have many crossroads. Life is full of crossroads. Every point, every time, there is a decision that you need to make that will determine your destiny, that will determine your purpose, that will determine the direction of your life. You need to decide which school to go to. You need to decide which career to pursue. Today there are men here who have decided which woman to marry. There are women here who have decided which man to engage a box to. These are beautiful women. I'm sure they had options. Eh? So to the men, please treasure them. Life is full of crossroads. Life is full of opportunities that will determine your destiny. Now for a believer, it is imperative that you remain in Bethlehem in Judea, that you remain at the place that God has tethered you. Because the place that God leads you and the place that God places you is the best place that you could be. We as believers are meant to be fully submitted to the leading of God. To be fully committed to the guidance of the master. Every decision that you make as a child of God has to be determined by God. Every direction that you take as a child of Bethlehem has to be determined by God. And I pray today and for the rest of your life that you shall abandon yourself to the leading of God. That you shall abandon yourself to the, to the guidance of Jehovah. Now, there is a story in John chapter 1. I don't know whether you have read John chapter 1. John chapter 1 talks about, at the tail end of John chapter 1, the time that Jesus met John the Baptist, his cousin, six months older than him. And there's a statement that John the Baptist makes that is very peculiar. John the Baptist says that the one who has come, referring to Jesus, the thongs of his sandal I am unworthy to untie. It's a loaded statement. The thongs of his sandal. You know, it was ancient Palestine and they used to wear sandals. That was a swag then. So the reference that John is making here is to slavery. Because in ancient Palestine, it was a work of a slave to untie the shoes of the master. The place was dusty. It was like, like you know, <laughs> it had no tarmac roads. There were no cabros. So the, the master would go out to seek for food and he would come back with his shoes that are dirty. And it was the work of the slave to untie the shoes of the master. So when John says that the thongs of the sandal of the man that is coming after me, I am not worthy to untie. John is basically saying that to this man, Jesus, I am more than a slave and he is more than a master. God has called us to be slaves to his will. And if you are to follow God, you have to allow him to be more than a master to you. So that every decision that you make in life has to be determined by God. This is what it means to stay in Bethlehem in Judea. It means that as a believer, you should abandon yourself to the will of God. You should abandon yourself to the guidance of God. You should abandon yourself to the direction that God has set for your life. 
you should stay in Bethlehem, in Judea. Now imagine, just imagine with me for a second. The Bible talks about the people of Israel while they were in the desert. God led them in the day with a pillar of cloud, right? And that pillar of cloud gave them war, peace. It kept them from the scorching sun and it kept them from dying. At night it says God led them with a pillar of fire. And that fire kept them from the bristling cold of the night and kept wild animals away. So imagine if one of the Israelites among us decided, eh, me, I'm tired of this cloud. <laughs> I need to see what is ahead of this cloud. Or I am tired of this fire. And woke up at night and went. Do you think they would have made it one day? The wolves would have devoured him. The animals in the desert would have killed him. Now, Elimelech is an example of a man who went ahead of the cloud. And a man who went ahead of the fire. And unfortunately, he was devoured by the things that were there in Moab. And he died. And calamity followed him. And his children died. Now, the Bible says that we are, we are like sheep amongst wolves. I don't know whether you have seen sheep in your life. You need to see sheep to understand the power of this illustration. I had a chance to visit my brother Kagunda and I saw sheep. Where I come from, we don't have sheep. We have chicken. So I saw sheep. I saw their foolishness. I saw their total dependence on the shepherd. There is no day that a sheep would survive without the shepherd. They'll probably go to the road and be hit by a truck. The life of a sheep is fully dependent on the guidance of the shepherd. Now when God says that you are sheep amongst wolves, God is saying that there is no day you will survive the enemy without the guidance of the shepherd. So staying in Bethlehem in Judea is staying under the will of the master. Staying under the guidance of the ultimate shepherd that is Jesus Christ. That at every point in your life when you come to a crossroad, let that that God has said about you be the ultimate direction that you take. Now life is full of crossroads. Right now I know there are people who have finished and you're wondering, should I be a DJ? Should I be a musician? Should I be an accountant? I have a calling upon my head to be a pastor. Go in the direction that God has told you to go. There are some of you that have visions and dreams that God has given you a burden for orphans. Go in the direction that God wants you to go. And sometimes there is drought in Bethlehem. Sometimes the, the direction that God calls you to follow looks foolish in the eyes of men. I remember when I finished campus, and by the way, I was a smart guy. So I have a bachelor's degree in economics, a bachelor's degree in communication, and I'm a certified public accountant. Yeah, and I have a diploma in IT. So, and I've practiced it. So I remember the time I went to my father after God had called me in 2008. Now the thing about God is he does not call you publicly. I wish God called me at home. You know, we were having dinner with my dad, then Michael appears, seven foot nine, and he says, I have called you to be a minister of the gospel in Rock Rivers. So that I tell my dad, see? Nikazia? See God. But then God called me privately. 
in the deep of the night. And it was up to me to tell my parents that God had called me. So my dad looked at me like I had lost my mind. Because where my dad goes to church, pastors retire from banks and then become pastors. Once you have hit a certain age, you retire from the bank then because you have nothing to do. You pastor a village church. So for him, it was a waste of energy, a waste of resources. Yani, I could imagine he was wondering, you school fees in Ingenunu and I gari. I would have bought chicken, would have bought cows. I educated a man only for him to become a pastor. Till today, I think he still looks for a job for me. He hooks me up with interviews because his mind has not grasped that God has called me to a path that to many would look like a waste of resources. Sometimes there is drought in Bethlehem. Sometimes it looks better to follow the path that is different from the path that God has set for you. Sometimes, actually most of the time, following God is stupid. Following God is foolish. And that's why God calls you sheep. Imagine Moses going to tell his father-in-law that he saw a burning bush. And the bush was not getting burned by the fire. And it was talking. It's foolishness. But this is the foolishness that God has called you to follow. This is the foolishness that will preserve your life. Following God, staying in Bethlehem in Judea, is the best thing that you could do for your life. Stay in the will of God, child of God. God has sent me to tell you today, stay in the will of God. It doesn't matter how foolish the will of God looks like. It doesn't matter how mundane the call of God looks like. Stay in the will of God. Follow the call of God for your life. Listen to the direction of the Holy Spirit. Stay in Bethlehem in Judea. Now, sometimes the things that take you away from the will of God are good things. Because the burden of provision was upon Elimelech. Like any other man, when there is drought, you look for opportunities just for a while to feed your family. Some of the things that take you from the will of God are good things. But do not be deceived by the mirage of the things that are not in the will of God. Do you know what a mirage is? I don't know whether you have driven towards uh, Moor Hills. That's when I saw a mirage. I don't know why I'm looking at you, Carlo. <laughs> so if you drive towards Moor Hills, you are most likely to see a mirage. So if you're thirsty, you might think that there is water ahead because of the mirage. But it's an optical illusion. Walking away from the will of God has an optical illusion that grass is greener on the other side and water is available on the other side. But if you leave Bethlehem in Judea and you walk to where God has not called you, you are walking to death. You are surrendering yourself as sheep to the wolves. Stay in the will of God. Do not follow the mirage of the direction that God has not called you to follow. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> so I, I, I pray, I pray for us as a church and as a people that we shall not be led by the stomach, for lack of a better words. Yeah, my, my brother, Pastor Stan Kosagato, has promised me 
a thousand shillings for every kilo I lose <laughs> between now and December. <laughs> so while I still have this stomach, let me use it for preaching. I pray that we shall not be led by the stomach. You know, in December, I'll say you shall not be led by the six pack. So I pray that we shall not be led by the stomach. The problem is today we have men and women who are led by the stomach whose principal concern in life is food. You make your decisions based on where you see the gold is. Let us not be led by the stomach. When you read stories of uh, mothers who send their children to Saudi Arabia, have you heard those stories? You are well aware that they are going to die. There are stories that those women have been raped. Their passports have been taken. Their those who have come back in a casket. But because we are led by the stomach, you send your child to that land. There are many, <laughs> many in my generation wanted us to be doctors. Every parent wanted their child to be a doctor. Not because they have a passion for health. It's because at that time it looked like being a doctor is the easiest way to gold. You cannot let your decisions be determined by the stomach. Do not let your parenting be determined by the stomach. Do not force your child to be a doctor. Doctory. Let your child stay in the will of God. Some of you, your children have been called to be evangelists. They have been called to the desert like John the Baptist. To be missionaries in a dry land. Let your children follow the will of God for their lives. Don't make decisions for them based on the stomach. Stay in the will of God. Don't let the stomach determine the decisions that you make in your life. Amen? Don't let the stomach determine how you raise your children. Pray for your child that they shall be what God wants them to be. Don't force your child to be an engineer because you think there is money in engineering. Don't force your child to be a DJ because you think there's money in DJing. I know nobody thinks that. <laughs> I'm just pulling your leg. Don't force your child to be a lawyer. Because you think there's money in law. Let that child stay in the will of God. The Bible says that we are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good things. And the Bible says these good works were preordained for us. Before the foundations of the world. So before God gave you Judah. God knows what he had preordained Judah to be. So your work as a parent is to ensure that Judah stays in the will of God. That Judah stays in Bethlehem in Judea. That at no point in his life shall Moab attract him to the things that God has not called him to. That he stays in the will of God. So I pray that as a church we shall be obsessed with the will of God. We shall be obsessed with the leading of the spirit. We shall be obsessed with the guidance of God. We shall be led by the voice of God. And that this voice shall be clear. And that this voice shall be clear. For some of us, the problem is you have never heard the voice of God. You hear Pastor Kevin saying, God told me. And you wonder, how did God tell you? How does God speak? Does he have bass? Does he have soprano? <laughs> does he speak in a song like Pastor Kogi? How does God speak? And for you to know the voice of God, you have to, to, to learn how to listen to the Spirit. Learn how to listen to the Spirit. Now John says in John chapter 14 that 
Christ has, Christ speaking says that he has given us his spirit that will guide us unto all truth and he will keep us in his word. The spirit of God guides you and enables you to hear the voice of God. But there is a co-dependency on the spirit of God and the word of God. Now the word of God is the voice of God. As sheep, you need to know the voice of your shepherd. And you cannot know the voice of your shepherd if you do not spend time in the word of God. The word of God tells you the tone of voice that God speaks with. The word of God tells you the direction that God takes his sons to. So that the day that God speaks to your spirit, you shall know that that is a familiar voice. So if you are not in the word of God, you will not be able to understand the voice of God. If you are constantly in the flesh, if you do not spend time in prayer, if you do not spend time looking at God's word, how will you understand the voice of God? The first step of staying in the will of God is a total dependency of God in prayer and in the study of his word. You need it. You need God's word to survive. Now, Bethlehem is actually the house of bread. Now, God has purpose to provide two things to you. Bread for your stomach and bread for your spirit. That is why Jesus is called the bread of life. Without him, you cannot live. If today you are to decide to stay for two months, you're not fasting without eating. You will probably die. The word of God is as important to you as food. I mean, small wonder I'm a lunge pastor using food illustrations. But the word of God is as important to you as food. Spending time with God in prayer is as important to you as food. Now, David says in Psalms chapter 42, I believe that as a deer pants for the water, so does my soul thirst for the Lord. Now, I, don't, I, I need you to understand what a panting deer looks like. A panting deer is not a deer with swag. It's a deer on the verge of death. It is about to die. Have you ever seen an animal that is about to die of thirst? You should see these videos of drought in Pokot and there are cows that are panting for a drop of water. And if they don't get that drop of water in the next second, they will die. As a deer panteth for the water, as a cow in Pokot panted for the water, so should your soul yearn for God. So I pray that God shall fill this church with a hunger for him. That when you wake up in the morning, you shall have withdrawal symptoms because you have not spent time in the word of God. I don't know whether you have seen a cocaine addict in your life. I have. Without their shot of cocaine, they cannot function. They scratch their arms, they pull out their hair, they stab themselves with needles because they need their shot to survive. You need God. You need the bread of life. You need to stay in Bethlehem, the place that Jesus feeds you with the bread of life. The beginning of understanding the voice of God and the will of God and the direction of God for your life is by spending time in his word. So I pray today, as I am about to finish, that God will fill us with a hunger for him. 
This is the last time that we shall struggle in prayer in the name of Jesus. Today, by the Spirit of God, there is a thirst that is coming upon you that you shall wake up and seek him, that you shall be obsessed with his will, that you shall not care what men think about you as long as you are in the will of God. Like David, you shall say, better is one day in his courts than a thousand days elsewhere, that I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the courts of God than dwell near the tents of the wicked. That you shall imbibe Colossians chapter 3 that says that you should set your hearts on things above. You should set your mind on things above. That you shall remember that you died and your life is now hidden in Christ with God. That you shall say stupid statements like what Paul says. Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I mean, if you were to take him to Dr. Frank Jenga, he would probably say that Paul is suicidal. Or Dr. Julia Kagunda. No, Julia Kagunda is spirit-filled. He would understand the revelation that Paul has. That is suicidal talk. But that is how God has called us to live. To live for him. To live for him. Now, if you have read about the missionaries that brought the gospel to Africa, those people are crazy. Have you read about Ludwig Graf? The day he boarded the ship coming to Africa, he boarded it with his casket. Can you imagine if Judah comes and tells you, Father, God has called me to Syria. So I want you to buy me two things. A plane ticket and a casket. You probably bring him here for deliverance. But God has called people to radical things. Men came to this land when malaria was a killer disease and they died. And their families died so that they would stay in the will of God. We need to be radical about following God. And ready to pay the cost of following God. Because the best way that your life would pan out is if you stayed in the will of God and is if you did the things that God has called you to do. Now the problem, as I finish for real, the problem is sometimes we try to do the work that God is supposed to do. It is the work of God to supply bread. Both the bread of life and the bread for the stomach. It is not your work to seek after bread. Your work is to seek after God. And God will seek after bread for you. Your work is to pursue that God has called you to do. And God will take care of you. He who clothes the lilies. He who takes care of the birds. He who promises David that no hair on his head would be touched. He who made David testify that from the day I was young till the days of my old age I had never seen the righteous forsaken nor their children begging for bread. He who showed Peter where to fish. The problem is you're trying to fish with your own wisdom. You're trying to seek food by your own strength. God is the one who knows where the fish is. God is the one who knows where the bread is. So as you follow the will of God, God will take care of you. God will take care of you. God has never abandoned those who have followed him wholeheartedly. You will testify that as I pursued him, he pursued me with his mercy and his goodness. God will take care of you. So part of staying in the will of God is letting God be God and you be you. Letting Jesus be the shepherd and you the sheep. The sheep cannot become the shepherd. It is not the burden of the slave to provide. 
Now, if you lived at the time of slavery, or if you have read <laughs> about the time of slavery, there is no day that the master, that the slave was concerned about what they would eat. It was a burden of the master. The slave lived knowing that at 6 p.m., I will get my food, Pavlov style. It is a burden of the master to provide. It is a burden of the slave. It is a duty of the slave to follow. Stay in the will of God. Make yourself a slave to the guidance of Jesus. Do not let the good things that are in Moab entice you into moving away from the will of God, into moving away from Bethlehem. Wake up in the morning with a hunger for Jesus because you know that, that God speaks to you that morning will determine your destiny. Do not live your life foolishly as sheep. You need the shepherd. There are wolves that want to devour you. There are wolves that want to devour you in your office. You have enemies, human enemies, and the devil backs them. He's a wind behind their force. You need to seek God. You need to stay in Bethlehem. You stop gambling with your life. Stop gambling with your decisions. Do not take casually the journey, the sojourn that God has called you to walk on this earth. It is important. And it is a question of life and death. So let us to finish with prayer. Let me invite you to stand. Let me invite you to stand. Now, now the, let me tell you something about Jesus. Jesus is a redeemer. Now a redeemer is, there are two things. Uh, from, from what I read from Miriam Webster's <laughs> dictionary, is redemption has two aspects. Is imputing value on that that is worthless. That is the first aspect of redemption. The second aspect of redemption is paying a price too high for something that you want. Jesus paid a price too high for you. And Jesus has imputed value on your life. Now I know that there are people here who have already made bad decisions. And you know that you have made a bad decision. It could be your spouse. It could be your business. It could be a burden of ministry that God has laid in your heart for 20 years and you feel like it's too late. I have already made my mistakes. I have already cast my die. But as long as you are alive, there is hope for redemption. It could be how you raised your children and you're looking at them and some of them have LGBTQRISO ideas. And you're crying out to God and saying, God, give me another chance to parent them. If I knew those days, I would not go to carnival. I would have spent more time with them. God is a redeemer. God is a redeemer. God knows how to input value on time that seems to have been lost. So you could have left Bethlehem in Judea and went to Moab, but you're not dead yet. You're still alive. So as long as you're still alive, there is hope for redemption. There is hope for your life to be turned around. I need you to read about a king called Manasseh. Manasseh was wicked. Wicked. The Bible says he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He sacrificed his children at a place called Ben-Honin. He was wicked. But one day when God had surrendered him to his wickedness. And the Bible says that he was being led like a cow with a nose on his rings and with bronze shackles in his arms, he cried out to God and God was moved by his entreaty and God redeemed the time of Manasseh. God wants to redeem your time 
It's never too late. Your last five years, you could be 75 and you're about to die when you're 80. Your last five years will be better than the first 75 years of your life because God is a redeemer. Your children could be grown and they have other children, but God is a redeemer. God is able to restore them back to Bethlehem in Judea. It could have been years before you spend time with God. You could be wallowing in sin and addiction, but God is a redeemer. So today I'd like to present you before your redeemer. Who wants to redeem the time that you have spent in Moab and restore you back to Bethlehem and Judea? So if you're here and you need a redeemer, just lift off your voice to God. If you need me to pray with you, just come to the front. I will lay my hands on you and God will redeem your time. God is our redeemer. Just cry out to God and say, Father, redeem my time. You know the areas in your life that you need God to redeem you from. Redeem my parenting. Redeem my direction. Redeem my business. Redeem my misdirection. Restore me to Bethlehem in Judea. Thank you, Lord, for by your grace I have not been devoured by the wolves. I am still alive, oh God. I want to do that that you have called me to do. Just lift up your voice. Speak to your father and ask him to redeem your time. Because he is a redeemer. I want to pray for two categories of people as I live. I want to pray for someone who's struggling with prayer and with the study of God's word. I want to ask the spirit of God to impart a supernatural hunger in you so that you shall never, ever be able to live without spending time with God. Are you here and you're struggling? And you're struggling and you wake up in the morning and it's not working. And you open the book of Leviticus. It's not working. You're just saying so and so was a father to so and so. It doesn't make sense to you. You need to be baptized by the spirit of God. It is him that will lead you unto all truth. So if you're here, just lift up your hand as a sign of faith. And I will pray for you that God will impart a hunger in you. Father, I thank you for those hands. And as I lift up my hands as a pastor, Lord, impart a hunger in your sons for you so that every day we shall wake up and seek you. I want to pray for someone who does not know how to hear the voice of God. It's a cliche to you when you hear people saying, God told me, today his voice shall be clear to you in the name of Jesus. Today his spirit shall baptize you in the name of Jesus. You shall understand and discern his will. And to pray for another group of people who need boldness to follow the will of God. Who need to overcome the fear of man. The fear of your father, the fear of your friends to walk in the will of God. Just lift up your hand and as I raise my hand, I pray that God will give you boldness to follow him. God will give you boldness to seek him. God will give you boldness to move in the direction that he has called you to move unto. And for all who have trusted God for redemption, receive your answer today in the name of Jesus. God is redeeming your time. God is redeeming your children. God is redeeming your misdirection. God is restoring you back to Bethlehem in Judea. Amen. Thank you for sticking into the end. We hope you are blessed by this message. Follow us for more of these messages when new episodes drop and make sure to rate us so that more people can find out about us. Bye-bye.